Winslow, no, not from the Winslow Tea Broadcast booth, from from my house and from my friend's house. I'm John Reed. You're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn, and this is Race to the Bottom, baby. Yeah. And man, we have a special one today. Been wanting to do this for a minute. And when I say a minute, I mean a couple of years. Some people some people say a minute. It's like a, a figure of speech. <laughs> what have I explained figures of speech all a whole show? That would be fun times. And when I say fun times, see people think that's sarcastic when people are like, oh, good times, fun times, which people overuse that. We got to chill out on the good times. All right. All right. Yeah. So what is it to which I'm referring that I've been thinking about for a minute? I've been thinking about doing a whole show on one of my favorite. I'll just call it a work of art of all time. Donuts by Jay Dilla. Uh, his and I've talked. If you've ever listened to the show, I've probably mentioned it in the in the one show you've listened to. Uh, listen, I mentioned this record about every program. This is, by the way, we've done about 120 of these things. Um, but it, uh, Donuts is uh, is the was the final record of um, well that that's debatable but it was the it was the swan song of jay dilla as that he kind of did from his hospital bed uh as he was dying and it is a masterpiece and i couldn't i knew i couldn't do this without the help of my friend and friend of the show salim hugh penny who is here with me What's up? How's it going, man? I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me uh, on Race to the Bottom. It's been a minute, and um, by a minute, uh, well, so a minute—it's a figure <laughs> of speech, right? So I don't—I don't just mean one minute, but it's been—it's been a hot minute. Yeah. Um, so I'm just excited to be on here and get to talk about this album that means so much uh, to me, to both of us, and hopefully to a lot of other folks in the Race to Bottom, Race to the Bottom family. Yeah, and Salim and I, uh, just to zoom way back far out, Salim and I met in college, and we've been friends ever since, and we have both shared our love of music and writing, and uh, Salim is a, a, a poet and an educator and a musician, and uh, what else? Multi uh, hyphenate. Slash, 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 hyphen, 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 twin yes. dad. yes. Cool. So how did you first encounter Jay Dilla? Let's start there. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's quirky because, you know, although, you know, I'd listened to his production, I didn't actually know who he was. And I, and I suspect that there are a lot of other listeners probably in that same boat. Well, they just kind of forget because a beat sounds like exactly like the person rhyming. 
like the beat sounds like an extension of that MC mm-hmm. and they can easily forget a whole separate producer, you know, made this. And, uh, and I think that's kind of part of Dilla's genius is to shape shift and to, um, you know, make a, make a beat. I know DJ house shoes had a quote where he said like, uh, you know, Dilla could, could out, uh, out Pete Rock, Pete Rock, you know, and like meant that with no disrespect, right? That he yeah. could do these, but yet nobody could out Dilla Dilla. And I think that that that's really important. So yeah, I mean, that's how I first encountered his work. Um, and Donuts first encountered that. My wife bought that for me. So um, props to uh, to my wife. I think I first knew about him because I was obsessed with d'angelo's voodoo record Mm -hmm. and i was a big lurker on okplayer.com the the website that kind of quest love and and those uh the roots kind of extended people started and i would read about you know, so that so that the that was the Soulquarians basically um, who were part of that whole thing, which was like the Roots and Talib Kweli and Common Production Supergroup. Yeah, um, yeah, and and so that I guess it's kind of like the, and they also were kind of fell under the umbrella of like the conscious rap, uh, uh, neo soul conscious rap. Yeah. Oh. But I would go on there and I, I would just read everything I could read about about Voodoo, the D'Angelo record, which I actually first saw anyone have that record in your truck, Salim. And you had a, a, I think you had a cassette of it. Yeah, true story. And I was like, is this any good? And we <laughs> put it on and I, I was, uh, yeah. So anyway... Questlove kept talking about Jay Dilla or they, he just wrote this long blog post about the making of voodoo and talk, kept talking about this guy D they just called him D and I was like, who is D? And and then, and they did like an interview, like a, um, a printed, you know, they wrote up an interview between him and, and, and D'Angelo. And I was like, I thought D'Angelo's D who's this other D. (laughs) <laughs> and they were both just like he's the he's the best he's he's amazing and then i saw um the jlib record came out and i bought that i needed some new hip-hop i was going out on rock tour and i bought the so the, my first one was the the jlib record and i would listen to that all the time and i didn't even know anything about how I don't know if Dilla was still alive at that point. I don't think, I think he was, or I don't, I don't know the timeline. And then I real, and then I learned the whole story and got donuts and I took that on our next rock tour trip. And we were driving around the country in a van. And if you were driving, you could select the music. And I just played donuts the on loop as one should. That's part of yep. the, that's why it's a donut it it goes on a loop and i think to where the other guys in the band were you know they wanted to listen to like elliot smith and the mars volta and i was just kept playing this one record they couldn't understand why i was so obsessed with it 
Wow. Sorry, Mars Volta. That took me back. I hadn't even heard those two words <laughs> in that order <laughs> in a minute. <laughs> um, so, yeah. The, and then and then you kind of dig in into what he did and, and you talked about his production work, who he produced for Erica Badu and De La Soul and Common and Slum Village. Buster Rhymes, The Far Side. Uh, yeah, Talib. yeah, tribe. I mean, tribe. Yeah, and tribe yeah. was one of the first because he was basically part of the almost part of the group for Beats, Rhymes, and Life, mm-hmm. um, and kind of helped develop tribe's new sound as they kind of moved away so heavy from the jazz samples, which I talked about on a recent show about once once samples. Um, Dilla kind of came in right as as it was no longer possible to sample like 10 songs on you know and sample really popular music unless you had a ton of money like like uh P Diddy you know for your licensing uh, right yeah so and he came in and, and so he would dig deep into the crates as they say he would find really obscure music where it was easier to license and wasn't so expensive but he could he as as we'll hear he could sample anything and make it it didn't have to be like a soul sample he could sample weird obscure rock groups and he could sample a song that like a bad a song that's objectively not a good song right. and make it sound amazing um right i mean i would say that he a lot of what he sampled it hopefully has encouraged people to think about sound in a very different way. Cause for him, I think oftentimes it wasn't even about the the song that was being sampled in the way, like you said, with Diddy or whoever, you know, I'm not going to put shade on any, anybody, but he <laughs> didn't kind of settle to just do the loop it for the chorus, loop mm-hmm. the main vocal and speed it up. You know, yeah, I'm not calling any kind of names or whoever, because people have contributed in their own ways, you know? Yeah. But I think that he was just not content with just speeding up a soul sample, putting it on top of some drums and calling it a day. So you would mm-hmm. have things that was just sound and, uh, you know, in many ways kicked off an entire genre now of lo-fi hip hop that I think a lot of young cats wouldn't even have the genre if it weren't for, you know, his, mm-hmm. his early work. He would do things like, because if you're working with a, a drum machine, you have usually have like quanti- quantitization where everything falls on a grid. And, and so every drum is hitting perfectly on an eighth note or a 16th note. And he, he shook up that whole paradigm and would make things intentionally glit- sound glitchy. Another thing that, that led, you know, before glitch before glitch was glitch right and i i remember in that interview the on okay player t- hearing about how they would say like it sound like drunk like intentionally like drunk sounding uh drums where they're just kind of off kilter speaking of glitching i think salim glitched but we're trying to do this live so it's oh yep yeah, maybe he's going to come back so i'm going to keep talking about this there he is hey hey sorry my the whole internet and the whole house just <laughs> off. had to restart the modem and everything the that uh that at&t cable 
I mean, uh, maybe it hurt me talking. It hurt me talking smack, and it just yeah. was like, okay, then fine. Don't. <laughs> oh, so I don't. I was talking about how, um, like, one particular genius thing that he did was with quantization. Quantization. Yep. Yep. And, That's when I cut off. And he kind of he kind of made his drums almost sound like drunk as d'angelo put it like in, in quest love uh when they were making voodoo was d'angelo kept wanting quest to kind of play behind the beat or play off and he was like why <laughs> and he was like because it sounds better and because i learned it from jay dilla like do it you know and it was so hard for quest to learn how to do that um yeah. that's just one of the uh many things that that he he would do um and he went through if you look he went through different phases of of what he would do he would went through a phase where he's playing most of the instruments mm-hmm. um he went through phases where they're a lot more electronic like a whole album mm-hmm. that was a, what like an elect yeah i mean electronic that's the easiest way to say it and, you know he could do some songs he had some that were like i would i would argue were like straight up rock Mm-hmm. You know, kind of thrasher head type of headbangers, you yeah. know, um, some of his sort of cassette, you know, rough draft era. Um, but again, like you said, like it wasn't just jazz loops. It, it was and if it was a jazz loop, it wouldn't be sampled in the way that you would expect. And I think that's the thing that's so easy to overlook is that he always still did it in a different way. Yeah. And what you just said made made me think of of a question that i i want to just i want to float i don't want to answer it but i was listening re-listening to donuts again for the millionth time and i don't i don't think it's i don't think it's a hip-hop record per se like i don't think that it's like it kind of is but it's not i don't think that it's i don't Mm. think there's a a kind of mu it doesn't fall into any category of of what um of a genre can i riff on that for a second mm-hmm. i mean i agree it's not a question i think needs to be answered per se and those are the yeah. types of questions that like you say on the radio and then like people are like what and then all of a sudden <laughs> you're on like hot 95 you know on wherever like the breakfast yeah. club getting you know but i i think uh i was just reading yesterday i was i was watching this 30 minute documentary jackie mclean on mars um which i would definitely recommend for for everybody and it got me thinking about this idea of what is classical music within the black mm. tradition and how, you know, kind of was making the argument that jazz is part of why jazz is important is it's a black classical tradition. And um, yeah. I, I, I kind of think about donuts in a similar way, as far as the mm. orchestration, as far as a lot of what it is, is assembling all of these sort of potentially, you know, cacophony of sound and, and, and representing it in a way that it would have been, honestly been pretty impossible to imagine. And then when you hear it, you're like, oh, of course, this obscure commercial for a, you know, electronics brand should be s- slowed down with this soul sample. Mm-hmm. And then the drums off a Woodstock record should be put on top. And it's like, well, duh, you know, but yeah, I like that question. And again, I don't think it's one to be answered, but I think that's a great one. You know, is Donuts, uh, is Donuts a hip hop album might be an important question. And uh, and he he might also just chuckle and be like, yeah, it's a Dilla joint. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, because also it's not, um, there's n- not really any 
there's nobody rapping over the beats. There's voices. Yeah, yeah exactly. But he samples some raps, but he yeah. uses them in a way that it's just background, you know. Yeah. So he'll sample some like yeah, 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 but like mm-hmm. you're never going to get the verse, you no. know, as much no. as you want. There's it. not like a couplet, right? On the yeah, yeah, exactly. There's no rhyme. There's I don't think there's like a any rhyme, right? Yeah, I mean, I was thinking about that one long vocal sample from the sketch, but you're right. I don't think that rhymes. A million dollar not jackpot to come out. Yeah, it doesn't rhyme. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, wow. That's a good point. So the context, as I alluded to kind of in the intro, he, he, I think he knew he was dying at, yeah, when he, he was making the, the record. Yeah, he knew he was very sick, at least. Yeah. But as as we get into the content of the record, it seems like he 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 at least knew that there was a good chance that he might not be long for the world. Right. Um, And he I think because he was like in his hospital bed, he couldn't he needed smaller like he couldn't have a whole turntable so he had this little small turntable so that's a lot of like the donuts thing because i think most of the records are, are like the small single uh like most 45s. Of them are 45s exactly yeah exactly. that his mom that his mom would bring him yep and and he would uh so he'd have that like on the bed like laying in bed i guess sitting up um and and then his laptop and, and his NPC. Yeah. And it was just those those kind of three. And uh yeah. and sometimes, you know, he would, you know, his mom would sort of help move him over to the chair, you know, if he needed mm-hmm. to focus a little bit more. But like you said, a lot of it was just bedside. You know, he'd sometimes request a very specific record, but a lot of times it would just be sort of what you know, the cats who were out there in LA with him at the time, because he had moved there to live with common uh, as his health deteriorated. But yeah. other people would just come over and, you know, bring records with his mom. And I mean, that's amazing to be like, to know that you contributed, you know, in, in such a, but yet not knowing how you, how that contribution was going to go. And that, yeah. I think that would have been an interesting way to collaborate. Yeah. Yeah. So his mom was like his collaborator kind of on the record yeah. too. Yeah, and exactly. and and the people who were kind of helping him, uh, you know, with his health struggles. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Um, exactly. and then that's interesting. Did you see the um, this documentary, The Donut King? Um, that's it's on Hulu and in like uh, it's on a, it was actually a PBS like independent lens documentary. Oh no. It's really good. It's about it's a uh, about this guy who um he's Cambodian and he I didn't realize but like most of the donut shops in LA are run by Cambodians and it started with this one dude who was a refugee and came to the states and started his his first uh spot and then branched out um all over LA and and into California and gave people loans and wow. um so and in the album art of of donuts is there is that like it's like a classic i guess that's like art deco or something that that look of that like 1950s donut 
shop yeah. kind of look. Uh, that's what they like all the awning like. and the yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's what they all looked like. So it's interesting that he was in LA and that that's just a side note, but I really recommend wow. that documentary. That's awesome. Thanks. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna add that to uh to the proverbial queue. <laughs> um that's awesome. Curious, um your thoughts just as a side note about the actual edible donuts like are, are you an actual donuts fan i don't want to take those two but i just have to ask i've never i don't think i've ever asked you yeah, yeah i mean who yeah, i love donuts but i don't i don't i can't eat that kind of thing anymore like see that's where i'm at too yeah i ate 18 Krispy cream donuts one time after wow. my second after my second marathon I got to the point at mile 23 where all I kept thinking about was donuts, donuts, donuts. And then I got that Krispy Kreme and we were going to drive. We ordered two dozen and we were going to take them back to the house. And I just just housed <laughs> a dozen of them and we got them back to the house. And I was like, yo, man, if I get a couple more. And then I was wow. like, is that is that OK? But it was fine. Again, in your 20s, you can eat like a pile of lard and and still go out that night. Mm hmm. Yeah, I could maybe have one. There's there's a place near me in Greenpoint that has such good donuts, and I we walk by it. I just, but I've just been trying to be really disciplined with speaking of health with my health, you know. Um, yeah, I feel you. I feel you on that. It was just uh, a, I had to ask. I was like, yeah, I can't get no, the whole conversation a, and not actually know if you even like donuts. You know, it was the elephant even. in the room, the the last donut in the box that needed to be addressed. <laughs> well played. Um, so we're going to get into the music, but I, I just want to, I mean, we could talk about this record for forever. Um, and I love, I know that I have listeners who are not big hip hop fans and I just love force feeding them, uh, (laughs) force feeding them donuts. Yes. Um, so, uh, do you think that the, the record has a narrative. Oh, and be- yeah. before you answer that question, just for yes. context for people who haven't heard it, the the record starts and and I know you're going to get into this. The record starts with a song uh, that's called Donuts Outro, and it ends with a song called Donuts Intro. And you could you can uh, play it sequentially, so basically it never stops and becomes mm-hmm. a, a a loop, a circle, a donut like the records that his mom would would bring as well and each song uh flows into the next um it's about how many songs is it it's 20 something songs um but each one is pretty short and you know i think the longest one is about three minutes but most of them oh wow it's 31 songs but most of them are around a minute long yeah, the longest is like two and a half. Yeah, but it but each each one runs sequentially into the next. The album run, the duration is forty three minutes thirty eight seconds. So that so just to give the listener a context, uh, and you you were going to answer Salim whether you felt like it has a narrative or not. Yeah, I think that's yeah. Thanks for that background. Um, I I would say the narratives have changed for me as I've listened to it in different times of my life. Um, 
regardless of when I listened to it, I've always had this feeling that this was a person who knew that they were still knew that music would last what knew that music would outlive him. Right. This is an artist who understood that. Uh, and I, I talk about this with, I feel like a lot of my, my friends were like, um, like cis male artists, as far as like kind of that feeling of like, you know, leaving something or creating something and like that act of creation and, and creating something that'll sort of outlive you in a way that, you know, not birthing a, a child and kind of not having that similar experience, how for some of the guys that I talked to music is the closest they sort of get to that feeling. Right. And so thinking about um, each time I've listened to it in different stages of my life, that's been the consistent is, is like this. I feel that this man knew that this, whatever he put on the, on, on wax, on plastic, on whatever medium streaming, whatever, that it was going to live longer than him. And through that, I think he probably understood that there are multiple opportunities to communicate things that either he had always talked about to people in his life or things that maybe he had wanted to say and hadn't. But I, but I do think that there are multiple records uh, that were contained within this that were meant for specific people. Like I know his brother has talked about certain ones. He was like, I know he, I know that was a message to me, you know? So just kind of that idea is interesting of like leaving behind these little messages sprinkled throughout 45 minutes, you know, for different people. Yeah. And it's interesting. You and I both picked songs that, uh, cause I, you know, we couldn't have possibly gotten into and each one of these, when you get into the sampling and the, and the messaging and, and all the different songs that go into the, it's just like, again, we could do a whole year on this, but, uh, so we both picked two songs and I picked, um, stop, uh, um, which is based on a Dion Warwick song. You're going to need me. And part of why I picked that song it goes to what you're talking about where I feel like you listen to Dilla's raps and I, I love his, uh, his flow and, and his wordplay. And he's, I also recommend people check that out, but it's very um, classic hip hop braggadocious. Um, he, you know, thinking of a million different ways to say you're the best and this album uh and it's another reason why i was wondering whether it's a hip-hop record it does it has a little bit of that but it but with stop it has that same thing because he knew he was the best you know he knew he was the best and he wasn't afraid (laughs) to say it but does stop says you you better stop thinking about what you're doing. You're going to need me. Like, so it was also this, and it, yes, it could have been a personal message to someone, but it's also him. Um, and I'm like getting chills talking about it. It's him saying like, you, the world is going to miss me. Yeah. Yeah. And the art that I've, I've put out, like, you guys don't know what you have here. You got to yeah, think, yeah. think about, it's and, a weird humble brag in a way, you know, it but it's, you know, it, it is in a weird way of just like, I am the greatest. I have changed the game forever. And yeah. yet a lot of you, myself included, even in this conversation, did not appreciate the greatness mm-hmm. during his lifetime. And it's only unfolded in the 
you know, the year since of just like how profound that impact yeah. has been. And I'm dying, right? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. which is like that's another thing. There's the David Bowie record, Black Star, which is a pretty great record, which he kind of, and I guess Leonard Cohen, I guess these old, old dudes are making their like, I'm dying records, but to have somebody who is so vital, um, you know, not, not too short of a time before he made this record and then suddenly got really sick. I'm trying to think of other works of art that are, that are made with that foresight of someone who mm-hmm. is who knows they're going to pass away like so because let, let's let's hear some music so i'm going to play a little bit of the track that is sampled in stop and then um and then because it's only uh, like a minute and a half we'll hear all of stop um so first let me let me uh just to give people context this this is what is sampled this is Dionne Warwick off her album Just Being Myself with You're Gonna Need Me And then, so there is, you're going to need me. And you're going to hear how my voice made it unbelievable. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yeah. did me good oh man i forget how you know that's just jadakiss in the beginning that sample yeah like, Dead ah! 
And it's like, what? Who? But I just also love that because maybe there's some dude who's going to hear this and go backtrack and find out Jadakiss. I'm not saying mm-hmm. Jadakiss discography would necessarily be where I would spend the majority of my time. But it's just <laughs> I, I just love that. I'm just like bringing back these uh, other voices. But man, I, I just that was an example, I think, of one where he doesn't really mess much with the vocal. Right. Um, yeah. And, and I think where he's kind of content to let that line, since it's such a complete line that Dion Warwick is, is, is doing, he just lets it, lets that line be. And I think sometimes mm-hmm. that's difficult to know. When do I t- toy with this cut, paste, chop, screw? When do I just let this line actually speak for itself? And I feel like that's what this one did. Yeah. And I feel like as we are listening to the You're Gonna Need Me, the Dion Warwick song, it got like, it's very similar up until a point. And then there's this like second voice in this chord change um, or second verse and uh, like extra lines where I'm just like, she doesn't need to do it in, in a way. He kind of uh, condensed no, a lot of these songs yep. down where it's like, it's like a, it's a, it turns a, a novel into a short story in a way. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good comparison. We did hear, I don't know who that voice is, um, and the second, uh, Stas, when I was going to crash, uh, that is a couplet, though. That is a couplet, though. Um, oh, <laughs> that's um, that's uh, uh, Ross Koss and Skills. Okay. Um, but you're right, but that is literally the only couplet. Yeah, but that, and then you, you wonder how many little, like, Easter eggs he put when Jadakiss is saying, ha, that's from the song. Why? So it might also be like, why, why are you thinking of leaving or why am, why am I, why are you experiencing this mortality? Like, yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah. um, and there are the, you know, that might be reading a little too deep, but, but I do know that there are certain times where with the titles and with the names of the samples, he is making uh, definitive statements. So. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and um, I would love to talk about that later. Uh, just some of the deep digging that I tried to do around mm-hmm. working with his titles on a, on a, on a poem. So I would love to chat about that later. Yes. Um, so why don't why don't what was your you second pick? Of, my second pick was um anti-American graffiti. Um and this is another one where the voice is just doing uh so mm. much. So this is crazy. This is like a deep dive here um from this band Tintin. I don't know anything about them. And this is one of the ones where you're like, this is your source material, but let's hear family tree by uh, Tintin, uh, at least a, a little bit of it. And then, and then we'll see what, uh, what Dilla did with it. Do you remember my auntie Boyle, she is the nicest little lady in the whole wide world. My uncle Nate, well he's nice too. Cousin Moish, auntie Betts and Iving too. All right, that's enough of that. Not to disrespect, uh, but then um, that became this. 
So just what the doctor said, too much too soon. And that one gets me on so many levels, the chills. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, that, that, oh man, that one, I, I might need to collect. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's wild to think about what it would be like when you know you're going to pass away. I'm thinking about my mom, you know, recently she passed away from uh, gastric cancer. It was nine weeks from the diagnosis till the passing. And I was fortunate enough to be able to be there for those final 25 days as, you know, a caregiver, just trying to repay, you know, all that she had done for 40, 41 years um, for me. And, you know, that's something that's so amazing when a person knows they're going to pass away. Right. And I think some people have a very clear idea of what's going to happen next because of their belief system, their religious background. And I think other people don't and kind of people wrestle with that or make sense of that in their own way. And I think there would be moments where it would just be like, this isn't fair. Why is this happening? Like she was supposed to retire two weeks after she passed away. You know what I'm saying? Like, and to have those moments of just feeling like this is not right. And then other moments where you kind of sit with it a bit more and you're like, yeah, it's not right, but it's, but it's happening. And, and I'm still here today. And I literally don't know if tomorrow will be my last day. And I feel like, we say that it's on Hallmark cards or, you know, yoga blankets, like live, you know, tomorrow. But, but when you actually medically know, like your net, they could be your last day. That's a whole, that whittles it down real quick. <laughs> um, and, and then have the clarity and the foresight to put that in a song. Like that's, that's intense. Yeah. And then from his, from his perspective to just be like, cause he, he lived hard. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he, he uh he partied he you he know bawled. yes and also that question when you're that young like too much too soon like it's yes. what the doctor said like you know he he had a blood disorder i don't think it had anything to do with the way he lived but but you yeah, still, lupus, you still same thing yeah. yeah you still ask you still ask yourself those questions right right, right. And then it zooms out also because I think, yeah, and, and um, you know, I'm sure to have a, a record about mortality that's so up, like, upbeat, mm-hmm. and not to say that there aren't parts of this record that are not scary, mm-hmm. um, factory, um, and some of these songs feel like what it feels like to be s- sick um, yeah. in, in my machines. experiences. 
Yeah. And on machine. Yes. Um, but for the most part, like it's, it, there's, there's this, there's this bittersweet joy running, running through the record. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's so interesting to have, have some, have this document that I feel like will age with me. Yes. Right. And, and I guess the point that I was initially trying to make is that it, it also has to deal with my own mortality, one's own mortality. Like even if, if, cause I'm not in his situation or your mom's situation, but I am in a situation where I know that I uh, am going to uh, expire at some point. Right. Right. Which is the donut as well. Right. Uh, I'm snapping over here. It doesn't pick up the mic. That that was me snapping. Um, Can I jump in on that? So it's interesting to think about the, the, uh, Two years ago, I think there was a re-release on on vinyl. Maybe three. It was probably anyway. Our kids were our twins are still toddlers, and I bought it. And that's a big reason why I buy records is to feel like there's a tangible, these tangible pieces of me that they can have, and they have their own, you know, uh, section, you know, in the record collection where they're sort of building their little collections. And Donuts is such an interesting one when they put it on because they're quiet when it's on and they're not often quiet when music is playing, but they're just quiet because there's so much happening and to watch them, they're trying to figure out these sounds and what was that sound? And then they'll, because it's a record, they can't see when a song ends and they'll ask, is that still the same song? And it's like, no, like two bands went around the revolution, five turns around the record and it's on to the next song. And so it's so interesting, you know, to think about music being this, this thing for me, it's kind of this, this again, idea that I can pass something, something along in the same way that my mom passed so much music to me that I can pass it on to my kids. And, you know, they've never asked the story of donuts. They've, they've, they've just assumed that everybody like, like, yeah, it's donuts. It makes sense. There's a donut on the cover, (laughs) you know, and that's it. And I love that, that their analysis of it can literally just be on this kind of sonic level without even needing to get into the background of who he was, what happened, how did, you know, his kids, his exes, you know, and all of that. It's just like, yeah, this music, I don't know when side one is going to end and when pop is going to flip it to side two, because I don't know when each song has even started, you know, and that's kind of <laughs> cool from a, from a yeah. little kid's perspective. Which, which Jay Dilla was also passing along these, yeah. these tracks. Um, yeah. And, and going back and and passing along you know the this this music that you know i never would have listened to you're gonna need me by dion warwick unless i got on like a big dion warwick kick maybe that would have happened right but there's like there's like 80 bands and musicians probably sampled on this record where you could you could branch out this this could be your own, uh, own musical like education yeah. in a way yeah yeah easily easily so you chose um my first i picked was donuts intro which is like you mentioned is the last song and in particular the sample song when i die 
from the group Motherload, which is again an example of a group I didn't know about. I wouldn't have checked out, but like they're in my Spotify library now, you know, and uh, and definitely did not even going to pretend like I knew who Motherload was, you know, <laughs> before. Um, and and so that's that's what I'm that you know that's what I'll throw down for my uh, my my first one is is so is I'm Mother playing Load. and if yeah go ahead what uh. So this this sample up here that I'm on whosample.com. If you are, if you've never gone to the site, it's one of the best things on the internet, um, and it and it tells you every song that's sampled and and has clips and and links and and everything. What were you? Gonna I was going to throw in that they're a Canadian pop rock group from 1969 in on Canada, <laughs> uh, and uh, they this is they were a one hit wonder, and this song, um, this one song, I guess it debuted, I guess it hit number 18 on the Billboard charts in 1969. But this is like their one their one jam. All right, let's I love the album cover. It's just yeah, it's a great album <laughs> cover too. Let's hear a little bit of this. I could just play the whole thing, but we got we're we're coming up on uh, our our donuts about to run out at some point. Welcome to Ace Robbie Robbie Talks for the Superstars tonight. Tonight, great guest, the incredible, incredible. So I had no idea that that's what that talk about Easter egg. I had no idea what those voices were saying. Yeah. Yeah. The B. Yeah. It's, yeah. Ah, that's part of why I love that. And there's other there's other samples used in that track. But yeah. I just love that it ends. And I think so much about his his mom and, you know, what it would mean to end your final record saying like, that to your mom, like, I hope when I do, I hope to be, you know, the kind of man that you thought I would be or a better man, you know. Um, but yeah, the other verses in the, in the song go, go further into that. And that's what's cool. You're literally just seeing, hearing like the one sentence that he chose. But then with each of these songs and you go back in and listen to the full source song, it's amazing how many other lines that are just like if he if he was saying, here's an invitation for you to go listen to this band that you may never have checked out. Mm-hmm. Or just to listen to this one song and see there's 30 lines. I picked one line for a reason, but these other 29 also could have could have probably worked, but I picked this one. Um, so yeah, that that's that was my first one was was that one with Mother Lily. My second my second one um that I picked was uh Light My Fire. 
Um, and it's also called Light My Fire. Uh, but I like it because it, the, the source song is by um, a group called Africa. Um, so I'll let the source song play and you'll probably recognize it. Yeah, which is a it's a cover of The, the Doors. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I'll start from where the sample is on the um, on, on this. Okay. Um. There's that, and he made it into this. Thirty-five seconds. Yes, he gets it done in thirty-five seconds, right? <laughs> and I forgot how much I love that bass line, the wandering bass line, and just like mm-hmm. putting this, yeah, putting this funk on a song that, frankly, the Doors version it was what it was. But after I yeah. heard this version, I was like, I didn't know the song could be like that's how I want my fire to be lit. If I had to <laughs> choose versus that other, like that's that's I don't know about that fire. That's like an E an E sig, you know, yeah. sort of fire. Like I want a you know torch. Not a tiki torch for the record, but you know what I'm trying to say. Um, so yeah, that was why I picked that one. Was I just I just was fascinated with how this song that I had never really associated as a joyous song became this joyous song, and then sampled that and put even more joy on it with a totally different set of drum tracks. So again, just transforming a sound that I thought I already knew. Um, and there's like you said, there's celebration in this record. I yeah. mean, that he can have a heavy song. Like, I know I'm going to die and I want my mom to know that, like, I tried to live up to what she wanted. And then you can also have a song that's just straight up like, hey, you know, like, let's, let's still have a little love, you know? Yeah. Um, so that was that was my second one. So, yeah. So this inspired the of the many things that this record has inspired. Um, it helped you write a cento, a cento. Cento, uh, yeah. Um, so I uh, was was fortunate enough to take this uh, really cool forms and features class with a poet um, named uh, uh, named Sam Sachs, um, and uh, each week we had to be challenged to work with a different form of, of poetry. Um, and so uh, the Cinto is um, uh, hold on, let me. Uh, I don't want to mess it up. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. It comes from the word, uh, the Latin word uh, for the Latin word patchwork. Um, so it's a poetic form uh, where every line comes from lines of other poets. Um, and so it, it's such a hip hop feeling to me, right? Mm-hmm. Of as we're talking about sampling. Um, so you know, folks were taking stuff from from you know from Homer, you know, and, and remixing it. Um, and so what I wanted to do was to take um, at least one lyric from. So there's 31 tracks. 
29 of them have some lyric sample. There's still two that have no vocals in it. So I wanted to work with those 29 and take at least one source song from that, those 29, and then go back to those source lyrics and sample from those source lyrics to, to write a poem. Um, and so, uh, you know, I called it Donut Cinto, and then the subtitle is A Baker's Dozen from Miss Rosetta and Ma Dukes. Uh, Ma Dukes is Dilla's, Dilla's mom, Miss um, Rosetta, obviously my mom, and just kind of trying to pull together these these women who I always thought if they hung, they would have kicked it, like if, if they had hung out together. Yeah. They they would just they would have just kicked it like it. There's just no there's no doubt in my mind, and so sort of uh, wanting to write a piece that could kind of give a nod to both their role as caregivers, also kind of an opposite role. I feel like I understand a lot of Ma Dukes with caring for my mom and what she must have, what she might have gone through. I mean, not the same obviously, but um, kind of a relationship to her that I honestly hadn't had before. That I kind of feel a particular affinity and a protectiveness and some of those same things that, that she's had to develop for her son because of how his legacy has been um, capitalized and, and, uh, and, you know, mismanaged and she's had to really keep being a mom and keep going to bat, even though he's not alive. And so I hope you get that um, you're, getting that published maybe i'm i'm hoping i'm i'm waiting from to hear from two places um and so if that comes through then that would be dope and i will you know be trying to share that with folks but um it's yeah so so literally it's entire lines but i'm i'm cut and paste them and so it's a baker's dozen there's 13 so i'll just read from one of the dozens if that's okay yeah um okay and uh, i'll try to do it with one that um pulls up a song that you know that we um just had all right so this is baker's dozen um number 13 number yeah number 12 um mama used to take me across her lap you're gonna need me need me one day she used to whip me with a strap when i was bad you're gonna want me back in your arms mother's love i'll always keep because she made me strong and if I should ever have a son, I'll take the clouds clear out of the sky. I'll carry on with love. That's the way it was meant to be, though sometimes I'll have to weep. So as you can see, it had a nod to the to the Dion uh, Warwick and then a nod to four other songs on that page. So it's just fun to go through 70 songs and <laughs> pull from them and then create something that hopefully sounds uh, like it's unified. Well, it sure does. I, I, yeah, I was able to look at a, a draft of that and I, I'm really excited. And when it is published, we will let you, the race to the bottom community know about it. And, you know, this can go on for forever, um, yep. like a circle, but our our time is running out. If you're listening to this on your computer, you can download the app for your Android or your iPhone. Uh, stop by the website where you can check out our newsletter, sign up for that if you would like, or drop us a couple dollars. Um, oh, yeah. I got to tell you guys about this too. Um, medical braces. <laughs> 
I don't have. Oh, shoot. I got to find the hold on. I can't believe. Actually, no. Medical braces are done. Screw medical braces. Um, <laughs> it's kill dates already happened, right? What, what's today? No, seriously, if you need medical braces, go go back to uh, listen to a show in the archive and I'll give you the phone number. <laughs> um, wow, I have no idea, but I'm going to go back in the archive. <laughs> yeah, we had a medical Love brace uh, company that was sponsoring uh, Radio Free Brooklyn. And we, we love your sponsorships. Keep them coming. Thank you to Flatland Medical Braces. I hope you got a lot of business uh, from us. Which I don't understand because they were also low cost or free medical braces. I guess it's a Medicare, Medicaid thing. Anyway, thank you to Flatland more than anything. And then secondarily, thank you to Salim (laughs) for being here. (laughs) And uh, it's it's been take it. Yeah. Um, any, Any any last thoughts? Oh, it's just exciting. I would just encourage anybody who might be listening to the show for the first time to go back and, you know, 12 times 10 is 120, just throwing off some random math. That also somewhat <laughs> coincides with the number of Race to the Bottom episodes, give or take. So just dig back. The show has has a, a dedicated, uh, I wouldn't say fan base, because it really is more of a community and a family than than, than fans. Um, and so it's just excited to exciting to be able to reconnect uh with with listeners so please go check out radio free brooklyn look through the archives and uh every saturday you know there's some good treats coming your way so enjoy it thank you thank 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 you and thank you to the the our dedicated community and i'll be talking to you guys next week we got jay clarkson on the show and we're going to be talking about capitalism believe it or not yeah uh anyway peace